0: I want you just to be present and feel what's being said and what will happen is that somewhere down the track at a later point in time, give yourself permission to recall or, or bring forward that idea and, and process it and, in a way that makes it work for you.
1: Welcome to Stand Out, Get Noticed, the podcast that helps you speak and present with rockstar confidence. I'm Christina Cantors, your host and founder of The C-Method, communication skills training. For free resources and to subscribe to the show, visit thecmethod.com. Hello there, Rockstar, and welcome to episode 109 of Standout Get Noticed. Christina with you here. I have a world champion of public speaking on the show with me today. His name is Mark Hunter, and I was so excited to have the opportunity to have this conversation with him. Mark is an international keynote speaker, an author, and a coach. Having been a school principal and holding leadership positions in various organizations over many years, he now speaks to people all over the world on topics on, of leadership and presentation skills. He will also be speaking at the upcoming Toastmasters convention here in Melbourne, which, at which I will also be running a workshop, really excited about. I'll share details on how you can get tickets at the end of the episode if it sounds like something you'd want to come along to. Now, what is also fascinating about Mark is that he was paralyzed at age 22 in a water skiing accident, and for the last 40 years, he has got about on his trusty steed, his wheelchair, which, as you'll find out, he doesn't let get in his way. Rather, he uses it to enhance his speaking. Very, very inspiring in this conversation mark and i also talk about his unique approach to speaking and why he doesn't believe in giving people steps to success so to speak in his presentations we talk about what it's like doing speech competitions at the global level he also talks about why it's okay to be ordinary Plus, we touch on mindfulness and being present with your audience. You can check out Mark's speeches and videos at markhunter.com.au. I'll also link them up in the show notes at thecmethod.com/mark. Now, if you really want to build up your presentation skills, maybe you're thinking of joining Toastmasters or you are already part of Toastmasters and looking to do your next speech, but maybe you're having trouble with structuring it or writing your speech, be sure to grab a copy of my free speech and presentation writing template. It takes you through the process that I go through every single time when I write a speech or presentation to help me to clarify my ideas and get it into a structure that will really enable it to connect well with my audience. So you can download that at thecmethod.com slash speech template. That's thecmethod.com slash speech template. Okay, let's move on. Time to meet the lovely Mark Hunter. Mark Hunter, so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining me.
0: It is my absolute pleasure, Christina.
1: <laughs> now you were crowned the Toastmasters World Champion of Public Speaking in two thousand and nine, but I do want to backtrack a little bit before we get more into that. When did you first become interested in public speaking, or realise that this was something that you wanted to do,
0: well, Christina? I had a little bit of a history on the stage, uh, so I did a bit of on-stage work plus a little directing. And I think that might be the germination of, of the public speaking component. I joined Toastmasters for n- absolutely nothing to do with speaking leadership or competing. I joined it primarily for social reasons. So, <laughs> and once I got there, I thought, oh, this, this group is, is fascinating. They are all individuals. They all bring their own view of the world and they're passionate about it but they also commit to each other's journey, and that was a good marriage, I thought.
1: So are you still part of a Toastmasters club now?
0: Yes, I still am a member of a base club in Toastmasters where I contribute to the growth of others, but I'm also a member of an advanced club or a specialty club, which is designed to push the boundaries on the feedback that you get Mm. Uh, so we're a little more analytical or incisive whilst also remaining respectful.
1: Yeah, and for people listening who've never been to Toastmasters, the evaluation's a big part of a Toastmasters meeting, but oftentimes people can be really, really, really nice, which is great, yeah. but it doesn't really lend itself to you know making vast improvements. So I understand that sometimes, yeah, you do need that more high-level feedback so, um, I was involved in a Toastmasters competition earlier this year, and mm-hmm. which was great fun. I won the area level, I think it was, and then I came second in the division contest. So, I didn't quite make it to the district level, which is the next one. But I'd love yep. to know, what is it like competing at that high level, the global level?
0: Well, well, it's interesting. I mean, if I go back to 1996, which was the first time I represented our Australian district in America it it is an organization that was growing in its multicultural status when you compare 1996 to now i'd say half uh, the toastmaster population now comes from outside north american continent so it's it's quite uh, it's it's got a lot of pomp and circumstance and and the 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 judging sheet that underpins this particular competition, I believe, and I did a fairly thorough analysis of it, translates extremely well to speaking in the non-Toastmaster forum. So the the skill base required to do well in this contest, I think, is something that uh, will benefit those who are wanting to speak outside Toastmasters. Uh, There's there's a whole lot of uh, psychology that goes around competing, I mean some some of the competitors are professional speakers mm. who want who want to use the title of world champion to enhance their own business and that's legitimate it's it's neither here nor there uh but I found it quite exciting and I also found it interesting that my the impetus for me to com- compete changed the first 2 years basically it was to be one of those few people outside the North American continent to be crowned world champion. But I then morphed to that in an attempt four to six or three to six to ensuring that I had something of value to add. And so my, uh, my intention or my goal was not to win, but my goal was to do the best I possibly could for those. Invested that time, and that became a an issue of service. And even when I do, like I've just finished training, uh, I work with uh, Olympians, and I worked with uh, last week, and I also worked with another company that that uh, with a keynote, and that impetus, that that belief system, that value of serving and making a difference is still the primary value. So it's not driven. I'm not driven by Winning, I'm not driven by uh, great profits or money. I'm driven by le- leaving a legacy, basically, which was something my mum instilled in me.
1: Mm, I love that. When you're keynoting for these organisations, what what are the main topics you speak on?
0: Uh, I seem to get either communication presentation skills or I get leadership and Having been in leadership positions for over 50 years in different organizations, not for profits, boards, I have, uh, I suppose, when you think about it, that's where my credibility lies. And I've been quite curious about who I am as a leader and uh, developing those skills.
1: So I love what on your website, you actually dissect some of your speeches into their various elements to give us a deeper understanding of your speech writing techniques. And in your speech, one of them, it's called stuck in a coconut. You talk about at the end that your, your final message that you, you will never be stuck in a coconut. You refer to the monkeys who put their hands in a coconut to grab food and they can't get their hands out because their fists are uh, around the food and they are too, they don't want to let go. So then they get caught. And you wrote there that this final message is not a, you call it a tell agenda which is common in motivational speakers and I wanted to ask you about this um what what exactly is a tell agenda and why do so many people use it
0: oh I think Christina that's a cultural thing Mm. Uh, I don't believe in Australia if you get up on a stage and jump up or down and um You say, hey, everybody, wow, you know, everything's going to be wonderful. All you have to do is follow my 20 steps and you too can be a millionaire having 40, 40, uh, 40, 50, um, you know, properties. Uh, And if you follow my steps, you too can get (laughs) up and walk, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's a telegender and that's the the motivational one and I've never been comfortable with it. Uh, I think it fits certain cultures very well, but it doesn't fit all. And so I tend, even when I'm doing a keynote, uh, even when I'm perhaps being a little controversial um, in some conferences I've, I've delivered at, there will always be that opportunity for people just to hear and understand what's being said and then at a later time, they might pick it up. So. Rather than tell the audience, you know, I've got five ways that you can be a, a marvelous leader. Step one, step two, step three, etc. I would say sometimes leadership is um, is really a journey. You know, Christina, I'm I'm really miffed at our our, um, and I'm only saying miffed because I'm polite <laughs> uh, uh, at our obsession with getting to the end. You know. Um, having, you know, uh, you too can be a millionaire. So if you come and follow me and do my steps, look down the track and, uh, you know, in in six months you'll be a millionaire. And I don't think that's ethically right. I think it's okay to have goals, personal goals, but to work with people and say this is what you need to do to be absolutely mind-blowingly successful is not the way to go because I. What, what happens is you lose the sense and the feel of the journey. Mm. So one of the things that I do a lot of coaching of speakers around the world via Skype, and uh, there are two things that I commit to. One is values, my personal values, and there needs to be a harmony between the other person's values and mine before I work with them. And the other is, my job is to make them a better communicator, uh, speaker, or better at interpersonal skills rather than, you know, work with me for, you know, 20 sessions at $400 a session and I'll make you the best speaker in the world. <laughs> you, you lose. You lose. I think that this obsession we have with destination is, I think, uh, needs to be challenged and I'm certainly going to open those doors in the near future with a couple of presentations.
1: It's a really refreshing approach, especially after, you know, I'm, I spend a lot of time publishing podcasts and videos and things online and a lot of these online people, it's all about, you know, five steps to doing this or oh, the, yes. ten things no one ever told you about this. Oh, and
0: yes. Ten <laughs> secrets. How I ma-
1: yeah, how I yes. made $500 million in six months.
0: Yes, yes. And the absurdity, the innate absurdity of having a book that says six secrets to successful speaking.
1: But it it gets people in the door though. Like people Uh, love that because they want to know the secrets, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Well, that's fine Uh, and and, and good luck to those people. You know, it is the way they operate and and it works in certain areas. But Mm -hmm. I would rather work with someone where I can feel their journey uh, as they are developing the skills or the skill set that's going to uh, get them better mm. and, and perhaps closer to where they want to be. It's the same thing with, you know, you could be extraordinary um, and we've forgotten that it's okay to be ordinary in an extraordinary way. Uh, we don't all have to be mind-blowingly different but ordinary is okay. It, it, it gets people on board and can take them on that journey closer to where they want to be.
1: So in terms of how you translate that message into a speech or presentation, you started to mention before about what you would actually say to your audience to get them thinking. Can you give another example of how you might phrase something or, or share a, a story to, to actually – Sort of encourage people to start thinking about this rather than telling them?
0: Okay, so an example will be the um, uh, part of the keynote I'm delivering in Melbourne uh, shortly and the one I'm de- working on to, to deliver in Vancouver. And in that keynote, I call, I've published a book on leadership. Uh, it's called The uh, Voice of the Bonsai a Conversation on Leadership. And the leadership lessons have come from my relationship with the 30 bonsai's I have. So rather than tell them, you know, it's great that uh, you live by values um, when you're working with a bonsai, uh, but also it's great to work with values when you're a leader working with your direct reports. Um, I would, uh, what I want to do is create a moment of thought and quiet uh, so what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to read out the conversation between the tree and the bonsai master and then I'm going to move away from it and say hey you know of just give yourself permission to be in this moment and, and I'm going to share with you some of my thinking around say values but I don't want you to, to write it down as a, a list or a recipe or steps to living values in your organization or as a leader, I want you just to be present and feel what's being said. And what will happen is that somewhere down the track at a later point in time, give yourself permission to to re- recall or or bring forward that idea and and process it and, in a way that makes it work for you. So rather than mm. say, this is what you need to do, yeah. how to do it, six steps, four secrets. Um, I want to give them an emotional experience, which is, to some degree, in in a, in a big keynote, a bit of theatre. You know, I think there's, uh, and I use my voice, and I use placement and stage placement, and I use silence, and uh, and I give permission to people just to be, and and then at a later date they might pick up the the concept. Uh, what I also do, though, to cover that off is, is you, I'll provide handouts and notes uh, that people can access if they so desire. Is that? Am I make myself clear? Yeah,
1: I guess for so many audiences, you know, people come to things like wanting to know what are the steps, and <laughs> I, I think, and I think it's it's very refreshing to come out and and say, you know. This is not something you can just take away and do now and you will see results in 24 hours. Yes. But to actually encourage them to, you know, this is part of your ongoing growth. You know, this is, this is part of your, your development. And you may not get this now, but you might get it in six months time or in five years time. And yes, it's, yes. it's less satisfying in that instant, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it, it, and I understand that because they're not getting the six steps or the secrets. But what they're getting, what I want to hope to create is it's through stories and, and strategies that I use, is I get a, a feeling of what's being said and, and what it might do for them. Mm. Uh, and it'll be interesting, you know. Uh, I see in Vancouver, they've got a, speaker of one of the keynotes who's um, very much, you know, getting everybody upstanding, waving their hands and things like that. And that works for some cultures and it works for some people.
1: It works in the U.S. Uh,
0: The U.S. is the big international. They love it. (laughs) They love it.
1: Yes, they will. They will. They
0: will. And then I'm going to come on and they're going to think, oh, my God, Hunter, what are you doing? (laughs) Because I'll be the antithesis thereof. And and that's me authentically. yeah.
1: I love that. I saw a speaker. His name's Chris Helder. He does like five, three conferences a day. It's insane. He's on a plane almost every single day. I could not do that, but he's, <laughs> he's excellent. And I saw, and when he speaks, he's super fast. He paces up and down like a maniac. And he, yes. and I sat down and I had a chat to him afterwards. And, and he said to me, People say I'm too fast. People say, you know, I do this, I do that, I jump around, I'm blah, 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 I'm not structured, I just go for it. He said, but it just works and that's just the way that I speak. Yes. And it taught me, well, I learned from that that, you know, you need to embrace, like truly embrace who you are and not necessarily listen to, you know, this is the right way to speak, this is the right way to speak. And this is one thing I've actually found with Toastmasters is that I find that if you get a bit caught up in it, you can actually start to lose your own Authentic way of presenting, if you follow those rules and criteria that set out a bit too much, I find.
0: Yeah, and you know there are books written on this competition, and and when I coach someone, I I say to them, don't go near the past DVDs and don't read any of the books about it, because if you do, you'll become echolalic. You'll just become a replica. Uh, so I'm an advocate for people not to study the previous world championship speeches or all the semifinals and, and read any of the numerous books that are written on that particular contest because of what you said. They risk losing themselves. And uh, so I think, you know, for someone who's got that high energy stuff, it will work. Um, and uh, I'm just different and hopefully it'll work at a at a different I'm not going to say paste because that's an obvious uh comparison but uh, a different style of speaking and um you know out of difference can come interesting uh views and and really what I'm asking and uh what I'm asking my audience is to be is uh, to be curious just to sit there and just be curious non-judgmental and and don't reflect on self in the past, or what self might look like in the future as a leader or a speaker, just be curious and pick up what works for you as an individual and your set of values.
1: Mm, I love that. I've been practicing mindfulness recently. I did a podcast. Uh, I did a podcast on it the other <laughs> week, actually, and how it relates yes. to being a better speaker and a better communicator. And I love what you say about really being present in the moment and and not judging yourself.
0: Exactly, and you know, if you've got high flyers who are in the corporate world, or or young business folk who are are really want to make make their their impression and make their their journey uh, more impactful, then there's a lot to be said for being truly in your own, being truly present with your audience. So it's not about you Mm. delivering them, you know, all the, the the saving graces of seven steps or whatever. But if you're present with them, you get to feel who they are. And also you then get to feel what they need by what they say to you, if it's an interactive piece, or by what they don't say to you. And I think there's much to be gained as a leader in a speaker, uh, even in, in the uh, you know the modern day younger mm-hmm. generation leaders, I think there's something in there.
1: I've got a few final questions for you and these are fairly quick ones. I asked my Toastmasters club for for question suggestions. What would they like to ask a world champion of public speaking? So I've, okay. got a, I've got a few here for you. Firstly, what do you get out of speaking?
0: I get a chance to serve and serve in a way that I believe can possibly add to someone's journey. I mean, yes, there is the the component of, of uh, the act of speaking, which, is which, as I said to you right at the beginning, there are some theatrical aspects that I, I believe can make that work, but I'm not in any way, shape or form manipulative. So I, I can be my authentic self. So that's one of the things I get out of it. I also mm. get exposure and I get a chance to share and I do a lot of not-for-profit stuff as well.
1: I personally, I love that speaking. You can reach a, a large number of people at once. You know, yes. with, with coaching's coaching's great, but you only reach one person in that hour or whatever. But when you can speak for an hour to a few hundred people, then it just multiplies your message, which is amazing.
0: And, and, and you don't know how it's going to land. Uh, you just don't know. Uh, the you know, my world championship speech, I crafted over quite some years and I mean it was 735 words and, and I chose every word for the music that it added. But someone came up to me afterwards and said, oh, I just loved your message, oh, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, couldn't ask where to get that from, <laughs> you know. And then when I reflected on it, there it was. So people will take from us as speakers what they need at the time.
1: Yeah, and it's so important to get that feedback as well. I, I sometimes yeah. ask my podcast listeners what what do they see valuable in what I do and one yes. lady wrote back to me and said, I like that you play the ukulele on your podcast. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> I do. And and she said, well, it inspires me. It shows me that you don't have to be all serious all the time if you want to be successful as an entrepreneur. Exactly. And I was like, oh, yeah. I had no idea. <laughs>
0: okay. There you go. There you go. Sure.
1: <laughs> Next question, what is an important hallmark of a good speech?
0: A, a hallmark of a good speech is that it is crafted in a way that makes it accessible to your audience. And when I say crafted, that's all the aspects of speaking, writing, uh, use of repetition, silence, even even some of the stuff that I do at the subconscious level, so it's <laughs> crafted in a way that makes it accessible. Because it's not about the speaker, you know. Mm. I think uh, it's quite often that high-level motivational speaker is someone who stands at a, on a stage in front of a big audience and a hugely energetic, and it's all wonderful. But you got if you have got two hundred people, two thousand, or twenty thousand in front of you. Um, Mind you, I don't know how you do that with 20,000 people, but um, it's got to be accessible. I think that's the whole mark, and that brings together a whole lot of skills.
1: Now, we were talking before about how you don't really share, you know, like these secrets on how to achieve X, Y, Z, but one of my Toastmasters colleagues has asked, what's one speaking secret that you've never told anyone?
0: (laughs) You know, I don't have any. (laughs) Because I tell everybody um, uh, some of the things that I use that, and, and I'll actually be sharing in Melbourne is the, some of the satire modes where you you want to make a, create a, a sense of drama and and uh, a feeling that's not openly obvious to the audience. I, I like that aspect, and I I love the concept of silence. So I'm not a by <laughs> person on. Uh, I'll I'll have moments of silence where I think that enables the audience to to reflect and, and see So I don't have I mean it's blimmin' hard work to write those competition speeches you know as I said six years to write the world champion it wasn't six years solid but it was you know repeated work over a period of time and and the other thing that I learnt and I'll say to people too is that when it's had its day, it's had its day you know no amount of skill can resurrect a piece that um, is is died uh, <laughs> either either conceptually or because you know social change has made it die a thousand deaths
1: how do you not get sick of that one speech after working on it over six years I get sick uh, of my speeches uh, after doing them once <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah, yeah no Christina it's interesting but when I deliver that piece I I uh, it's always different it's grown to be 40 times better than it was in 2009 uh but i'm not uh whilst i'm happy to analyze it on paper and share because that's good pedagogy you know that's Mm. sharing stuff that i went through with everybody um i love it as a piece i've got you know because i've i've lost or failed five times i have a, a stable of speeches and work that i can just pull from here and there and and uh, add a few stories that are relevant, and I think can make a difference. So there's a there's a big benefit in failing.
1: <laughs> well, maybe I'll take my failed speech from the last competition and and give it a, give it new life, perhaps. Exactly.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Yes.
1: Which in that uh, speech, by the way, I did play my ukulele.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, good idea. And why not? Because, you know, sometimes I get up and sing uh, because I want to. To make a message or or clarify a message, mm. but you know, if the ukulele is just about having fun or or there's some other deeper element, do it. Uh, we've all got music in us in some way, shape or form, mind you. Don't ask me to play a ukulele. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you do amazing things with your wheelchair. I've seen that beats any ukulele performance. <laughs> uh,
0: and that's about maximising who you are. So you do it. You maximise who you are by playing a ukulele. The wheelchair part of who I am and I need to dismiss it and get it out of people's heads. But it is part and parcel. It's been part and parcel of my life for 40 years. So mm. uh, I'm not embarrassed, ashamed, worried, dejected, depressed about it. It just is.
1: Yeah, you do an amazing job with it. It's absolutely seamless the way you integrate it into your speeches. Okay, last question from my Toastmasters club. Where yep. to next when you're at the top? I actually received a, a, an email from a podcast listener who, who wrote to say that she's done 40 Toastmasters speeches and she's feeling really great about it, but she, she's asking me, how can I still grow? You know, Where do I go to from here? So what do you do to still grow and is there room?
0: There is and I consciously reinvent myself. So I'm not a one-horse wonder. I don't go around with one piece of work that I do at every uh, opportunity that, for which I'm employed. So I const- constantly reinvent myself. So the, the production or the writing, the whole process of writing my last book enabled me to interact with concepts at that are, that are quite a quirky, offbeat level um, and that's part of my reinvention. So I think that's what people need to do don't become echoladelic don't become stuck in in what uh be authentic and and then I think you've got a capacity to uh, to to reinvent yourself so that you are always always on that journey you know we're not destination obsessed where I am I haven't reached the pinnacle of of uh speaking being a world champion but I'm I'm still growing every every moment that I get to prepare and every moment that I deliver.
1: Beautiful, love it, Mark Hunter. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. It's been such a pleasure having a chat with you.
0: Likewise, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to hearing you play the ukulele in Melbourne, perhaps.
1: <laughs> Maybe you'll see me around on the streets, busking. <laughs>
0: Okay, awesome. So
1: awesome. you'll be you'll be emceeing the upcoming Toastmasters convention in a f- couple weeks' time.
0: I'm not emceeing. Oh, though. you're not
1: emceeing. You're keynoting. I'm,
0: I'm doing one keynote and one workshop.
1: All right, fantastic. Keynote
0: on on leadership and a workshop on speaking.
1: Well, I will be there, and I look forward to seeing you there as well.
0: I also look forward to shooting the breeze and having a decent <laughs> cup
1: of thanks, okay. Mark.
0: My absolute pleasure. Cheers, Christina.
1: Thank you to world champion of public speaking, Mark Hunter, for being such an amazing guest on the show this week. And also thanks to my Toastmasters club for sharing your questions with me. They were fantastic questions. You can find out more about what Mark does at markhunter.com.au or simply visit the show notes at thecmethod.com Mark. I'll put links to his world champion speech in there. It's definitely worth a look. So go check it out. Now, if you do want to come and see Mark speak and you're in Melbourne, make sure you come to the Toastmasters Convention. It's on the 19th to the 21st of May, and you can buy a day pass if you want, so you don't have to come to the whole thing. Um, both Mark and I will be speaking on the Saturday, so if you come up on any day, make it the Saturday. But ticket sales do close on the 4th. That's tomorrow. So it's very, very soon. So if you are interested in coming, make sure you get your tickets now. Otherwise, you won't be able to come and I'll be very sad. I don't actually get a kickback from ticket sales at all. I just know that it will be a great event and I'd love to see you there. And that wraps up episode 109. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Keep on being awesome and I'll talk to you next week. My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed.